Um, Revelation chapter number 16 tonight. Revelation chapter number 16. Um, we got a lot to cover. We'll try to get done quickly um, and obey the Lord in it. Man, I've enjoyed this study. What about you guys? Um, but I have enjoyed it and um, not getting it over before it's done. Man, I'm thankful that God has allowed us to get into it. And uh, to be honest, I, I'd love to do a lot of series in Scripture. I love series. Um, you learn more about Scripture um, during series. I believe you do. And uh, especially if you preach uh, verse by verse, you certainly will learn more about the Bible. Uh, we've been through many different series. And I can't really say which one my favorite. Um, but whichever one I'm in is my favorite typically. And, uh, but the life of Joseph, I really enjoyed the life of Joseph. Um, I really enjoyed that, and um, the Lord really helped us in that. I really enjoyed the Hebrews series in Hebrews chapter 11, Faith, and um, a few other series here and there. I enjoyed the Paradox series that we've done, and uh, Paradoxes in Scripture, that was fun. Um, hard study, though, I mean, because you've got to understand the Paradox, too, um, when you're studying it. Uh, but there's plenty of paradoxes in Scripture. But thank God there's no contradictions in Scripture, as some would say. Revelation chapter number 16, however, we'll get into our text tonight. This is our 36th message in our series entitled The Revelation. Um, we'll read uh, about uh, 12 verses tonight, 13 verses. Um, we'll read 11, 10, from 10 to 21. We'll read 13 verses. So um, let's... Uh, Let's pray first and ask God to help us. I'd like to do that. I believe that's the Lord's will. Dear God, we need you. Lord, I need you. And I ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please help the preaching of the word tonight. Lord, your word will not return void, and we understand that. Lord, help me, God, to um, um, lay out the scriptures, Lord, as you have laid it out in your Bible. Lord, and it is a holy Bible. And I pray, God, that we would uh, take it as that and look at it as that. Lord, I thank you for your, your people here. Lord, um, a part of your bride, and I don't take it lightly to be able to preach to them. I ask you, dear God, to just um, fill me up with the Spirit of God. We'll love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verse number 10, chapter 16, the book of Revelation. The Bible says, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repenting out of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up that the ways, way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. They were not frogs, but they were like frogs come out of the beast of the dragon and out of the beast of the, out of the mouth of the beast mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast now the mouth of the false prophet for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole earth whole world excuse me to gather them to the battle of that great day of God almighty <clears throat> behold i come as a thief blessed is he that watcheth keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame and he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there were great, was a great earthquake, such as was not, seen, sent, not since men 
were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great. The great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came into remembrance before God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. There fell upon men a great hell out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Jesus name amen lastly last week we were able to look into the first message that we have started I told you it would be two or three I believe we're going to able to get it to two I wanted to preach directly on the seed of the beast but there's no point in it we might if the Lord would allow us to have been praying over this that when we finish the book of Revelation study we maybe go back and just simply preach some topical messages throughout the book of Revelation. Just some things that stand out to us, such as the seat of the beast. That's something pretty serious. Or, or, or could it be uh, the, the, the ones that the angels in certain areas that... Um, and something along those lines, but we may not. But nonetheless, here, last week we got to preach the first part of this message. And Lord willing, we'll finish it up here this evening in chapter 16. But as tribulation is beginning to come to a close, we see the wrath of God is intensified in such a serious manner like no man has ever seen it before. The Lord has been merciful time and time and time again, and now the mercy of God has been cut off. It has been closed up. The doors of the temple have been closed, therefore signifying no more access since before Calvary to now there was access, right? And so up to this point, There's been full access, but now there's no more access. And God has shut off His mercy. And God has begun to judge the earth completely. All of the wicked world He has begun to judge. Last week we made it through the first five vials. There's there's two left. Or the first four vials, rather. Um, and, and, And we dealt with those first four vials. And we saw the rending of the sores. We seen the sores. We see the reaching of the seas. We see the reddening of the sustenance or the streams. We've seen the retaliation of the slain as God looked back upon the slain that had been killed and retaliated them in His judgment. And then we've seen the reinforcement of the sun as God intensified the sun in every way that He possibly could. Well, that's where we made it last time. And really, for the last six and seven years up to this point that we're looking at tonight, has been the wrath of God in different stages. We've seen it in different stages. We've seen seven trumpet judgments, and we've, we're now seeing seven vile judgments, and then we've seen, and I'm forgetting the word at this exact moment, but we've seen seven other seal judgments within that time as well. And so we've seen 14 judgments directly called judgments, as in God used the trumpets and the seals to judge whether it be Israel or judge the world. But now he's judging every man that's lost who has taken the mark. So however, God has still been merciful in the first two, two parts of judgments. God has been merciful and we've seen that very clearly where there's been things because God could have destroyed instead of one third of it, he could have destroyed the entirety of it. But God chose not to in that time because his time, the time had not yet come to do that. Now the time has come and God has intensified his judgments and that's what we're preaching on tonight. And so God has been merciful and now the time has completely come for the ushering in of the millennium reign and the ushering in of the battle of Armageddon. We've heard Armageddon, we've heard Armageddon, but this is the time where Armageddon 
is mentioned in the scripture. And so now it's been that time. God is dealing with them not in mercy. He's not dealing with them in love. He's not dealing with them in any of those things, but he's dealing with them in justice, in judgment, and in wrath. And so the world has rejected Jesus. Now he is rendering judgment to them, right? Um, They have forsaken Jesus. Now they are going to be fighting Jesus, right? And so in that time when he first came to this earth and he first appeared upon this earth, uh, he came and he was despised and he was rejected and he was afflicted of men. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. uh, And he did uh, hid and we hid as it were our faces from him. Is that not right? That's the first time that he came. The Bible says his own received him not, right? That's the first time he came. The first time he came as a lowly lamb, but that's not what he's coming back as. He's coming back as a lion, and that's what he's going to do. He will not be crucified this time when he comes, but he will be conquering. There's a difference between the same God that we've seen before. In his first advent, he came crucified. In this advent, he will come and he will be crowned is what he will be. I'm thankful that he will come the second time and no man will hold him back at any point in time. And that's what he'll be. There's absolutely nobody that can stop him. There's nothing that will stop him from coming back the second time. And so I'd like to take a a look at these last few um, vials, as the Bible called them, that that are filled with the wrath of God. They're filled with the wrath of God and which are poured out upon the earth and I'd like to look at them and preach through them as we preach part two of the intensified wrath of God. I want you to notice number one about this. i got three points tonight. I want you to notice number one, the wrath of God remains uh, in serious suffering. He remains. We've seen the rendering of sores. We've seen the reaching of the seas, the reddening of the sustenance of all the earth which lead to each thing as they continually um, get worse and worse and worse and each one leads to the other but also each one helps the next. And so there's the reaching of the seas uh, and then there's the reddening of the sustenance of all of the earth, uh, the the retaliation of the saints and the reinforcing of the sun and now there's remaining suffering. Suffering is still going on, right? Verse 10 and verse 11, the Bible says, The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. His kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains. Their swords are impending out of their deeds. The wrath has just begun. It's not over. It's not over. Everybody's not faced all the wrath that they're going to face. And with each vial, it begins to get worse and And imagine having sores and then having to deal with the sun. Imagine having no sustenance and then having to deal with the sun. Imagine God retaliating against people who have slain those that have died and been martyred for the sake of Christ and the gospel witness. Yet here they are and they're still dealing with all that they've had. They're still dealing with the source. They're still dealing with the blood sea. Right? It hasn't changed. They still have no water. They still have no bath water. They still have no cooking water. They still have none of those things. And then God says, here's the fifth vial. 
And I want you to pour it upon the seat of the beast. I want you to pour it upon the seat of the beast. The world for all of this time uh, has worshipped the Antichrist far too long. uh, And God has had enough. And this is all about to come to an end as the Lord goes into this judgment. And I want you to notice a few things. There's a seat that's discussed. It says the seat of the beast. I want you to pour the fifth vial upon the seat of the beast. The Antichrist has for a few years he's been murdering. He's been ruling. He's been blaspheming. He's been wreaking havoc uh, upon this world. And the amount of wickedness in which he has led uh, the world into is absolutely unimaginable. However, in this fifth vial, the very place of his power will be destroyed. We could go back and see that in Pergamos, the church of Pergamos, we could find that in chapter 2 and verse 13 that it tells that that's where the Satan's seat of Satan dwells. Um, But nonetheless, it doesn't matter about that directly, but however, in this fifth vial, the very place of his power will be destroyed. The very place. It is a pointed attack, if you will. It is direct, is what it is. It's directly in the right place and it will not Some people might say this place may be Rome or this place may be communist China. Whatever it may be, nonetheless, the fact is is that he has reigned on this earth and he has shed blood and he has manipulated uh, all of this time and now it's his time to be judged by the hand of the Almighty. It's his time to be judged. and He begins at this fifth vial, at the source of the evil, and spreads it all throughout his kingdom. And literally, there is pure judgment. God's dealing with the source directly. The seat is disgust. The sun is darkened. Now the Bible says, and his kingdom was full of darkness. Now, as the seat of the Antichrist is assaulted by the power of God, thank God that it is. Everybody all right? I mean, he's about to experience outward darkness as he is inwardly. As dark as he is on the inside, as immoral as he is on the inside, uh, he's about to see it come out from God. Uh, Now, Jesus is the light, right? No man can put out that light. uh, And this man has nothing to do with light. He's the complete opposite of light. Uh, Light will always dispel darkness. It will always dispel darkness. And Jesus is the light. uh, And His kingdom will be as dark Physically as he is uh, spiritually and God takes up uh, and God answers the question to chapter 13 and verse 4 and they worship the dragon uh, which gave power unto the beast and they worshiped the beast said who is able? Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Uh, and God is saying I am. Uh, I am able to make war with him. Uh, and it's fixing to take place right here. Uh, and God answers their very question. And they uh, were told of this in the book of Joel. Uh, in chapter 2 and verse 31 or, or 30. Let me turn there and read you a passage of scripture out of the book of Joel. Just quickly, if I could find the book of Joel. Uh, and so just give me just a second and we'll find the book of Joel if we could. Um, but it also in Isaiah in chapter number um, 
Isaiah in chapter number uh, um, 60 and verse number 2, the Bible also uh, has something to say there about that exact same passage uh, that deals with the darkness there. But in Joel 2 and verse 30, uh, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned in the darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. It tells them, it tells them, if they just listen to their Bible, guess what, they didn't have a Bible. But they were told, and they had prophets. They were told, and they had prophets. Isaiah, in chapter number 60, and verse number 2. See, we've got to understand that. We look at everybody like they have a Bible. But everybody don't have a Bible. We look at some of them and say, man, if they would have just looked at that, they didn't have the place to look. Brother Tim Floor preaches a message entitled, Job Didn't Have a Bible. Now listen now. It's good stuff. Joel, I mean, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, the Bible says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And so, so the, the prophecy is true. It's true, and they have chosen darkness rather than light. Uh, and God will give them physically what they have chosen spiritually. Right? I mean, think about it. As the darkness sets in, they'll gnaw their tongues with pain. They've already been beaten physically. Right? They've already dealt with the sores. They're thirsty. All of those things. And man, just imagine darkness emotionally. Imagine God dealing with their emotions in such a way they'll be emotionally defeated with this darkness as the sores torment them, as the blood and the sea and the streams torment them, as they have no water to bathe or to wash or to drink or to cook with. The the unimaginable sunburn wreaks their lives and they gnaw their very tongues in pain. That's what the Bible says. The saddest thing is they're about to go into eternal darkness where they'll weep and wail and gnash their teeth for all of eternity. And maybe God is showing them that this is just the beginning of darkness for you. It's just the very beginning. They saw it and they got it. Lord, help a world today when they turn their backs on God and they don't want anything to do with Him. They live their life in complete darkness, yet outwardly or, or physically they may be able to see. But one day they'll be in the darkest place of hell. Lord, help us. The sun is darkened. Then we see in verse 11, the Bible says, I'm blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repenting out of their deeds. The society is doomed. Just as we saw in verse 9, with the fourth vial upon the sun, and man remains the same against God. What a sad state that is to be. They blame Him for it all, yet they have chosen and they're reaping. They're sown and they're reaping it. Why be mad at someone you don't believe in or won't turn to? Why be mad? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe in their own guilt. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe in their own guilt. And they didn't acknowledge Him in cho- by choice. Uh, and now they're acknowledging Him by force. 
And I'm telling you something, oftentimes the reason people get mad at God over occasions, for instance, I'm going to use this, and I hope that I never get to this position, but oftentimes people get mad at God in their own guilt because something happens in their life like they lose a loved one or something along those lines. They're mad at God for taking that loved one from them, but only because they did not spend enough time with that loved one. Right or not. And so a lot of times that guilt comes from such occasions like that. But there, I beloved, I tell you, there will come a day when all will bow and confess Jesus to be Lord. There'll come a day. And what a tragedy we see here that men blaspheme the Lord when He has already given Himself up on the cross to forgive their sin. And those who die lost can only blame themselves. Can't blame God. Society is doomed. The wrath of God remains in serious suffering. Secondly, I want you to notice the wrath of God rallies Satan's soldiers. The Bible says in verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. So the sixth vial will literally pave the way to the battle of Armageddon. And so as the nations of the world gathered to come into the Holy Land. But what can, what can we see out of this? What can we see as there's preparation that's taking place? As there's something that's taking place here? We're going to read through verse 16 here in a moment, but we're going to pre- read them as we preach through them. But I want you to notice number one in the verse we just read, there's a shocking dilemma. As this verse, as this verse tells us that there's a vial pulled out, poured out upon the mighty Euphrates River. The Bible tells it the great Euphrates River, and it will dry up and it'll pave the way for Satan's soldiers to gather up and come upon Israel. I mean, I mean, the east and the west is divided by this river. This river goes on forever, and it goes 1,700 miles. Uh, and and from, from, it goes from 10 foot deep to 30 foot deep. Uh, and, and, and in some places in that river, it's up to 3,600 feet wide. In some places in the Euphrates River, from 900 to 3,600 foot wide. There's no place less than 900 foot wide. That's not a green river. That's a big river. That's a big river. It's an enormous river to say the very least. And this great river is found from the very beginning in Genesis as the four rivers flow out of the Garden of Eden. Euphrates is one of those rivers. And this river has served as a divider uh, for Israel and his people, God's people. Uh, I mean, I mean, from Iraq uh, to Iran uh, to Pakistan to Russia to China and to Korea, this river has divided them from them. This river has divided everyone from Israel. This river has. You follow it. You're looking on your Bible maps if you'd like to. It goes directly through modern day Iraq and Iran, which is the Babylonian Empire. That's where Babylon comes from. 
I'm just telling you, it's a very serious river. And it divided Israel from them all. Now I named those specific ones such as Iraq and Iran and Pakistan and Russia and China and North Korea and South Korea. I named those specifically because all of them on this very moment would attack Israel today. I understand we can drop bombs over 3,600 foot, but soldiers cannot go through rivers over 3,600 foot. It's a great divide for soldiers to get over there. But God said it would dry up. How could such a river dry up? Simple God. The same God divided the Jordan River for the Israelites. The same God divided the Red Sea for the Israelites. And He will, he will not be using a, a dividing miracle here, but He will rather be using a disappearing miracle. In Revelation chapter 9 and verse 16, there's an army which is described there as 200 million people. That is this army. Some say that's to be China. I cannot say that, but that is the only place that has that many people. Excuse me, not has that many people, but it's the only place that has that big of an army. I will say this. I believe, it's, I believe personally it's more than just China. I believe it's the nations of the earth. But whoever it is, I will say this. According to this verse, they're coming from the east. The Bible says very clearly, and the water thereof was dried. The way of the kings of the east might be prepared. All I'm telling you is that there's a huge army that's going to come through the Euphrates River. Not with a river, but with a dry. Maybe the scorching of the sun had something to do with this. I do not know. How could this river dry up? I do not know. I cannot say why this river would dry up. But the Bible says that the river's going to dry up. And I believe the river's going to dry up. Amen? It could have something. God could use the scorching of the sun. I believe to do that. But all I know is that it will be done. There's a shocking dilemma. Secondly, in verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth from the kings of the earth, the whole world, to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. There's satanic deception. We find that Satan's trinity will spew out three unclean spirits like unto frogs, right? So, I believe there's going to be some deception that's going to come in this from these spirits. And they're going to go out to deceive more. There's going to be more deception. It says like unto frogs too, isn't, isn't that, doesn't that sound deceiving in itself? The Antichrist has been on the scene performing apparent miracles and Satan's evil influence will entice the world to come together and try 
to invade the very people of God. We understand that's why they're coming. We've already established that. The world has been deceived um, since the cre- uh, since the cre- the world has been deceived since the creation of man by the subtlety of Satan. Don't you think he can do it again? They're not frogs, but they're like frogs. They will be deceived. There's this satanic deception, and then there's a sovereign decree where the Bible says, "Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments." lest he walk naked and they see his shame. A lot of people take this verse as a first coming. How many times have we said, Jesus will come as a thief, he'll come as a thief of the night. The Bible never says he'll come as a thief of the night according to the rapture because he won't. You know why? Because every man will see him. Every man will be a difference. There'll be a difference in his life. Let me just say that. Every man necessarily won't see him. Every man's going to see him here, I promise you that. There's not going to be no, no, no sort of um, thing where nobody's going to know about this. It's going to be pretty serious, but I'm telling you, this verse speaks of the second coming of the Lord. And prior to the tribulation, we understand the church was raptured and the Lord's return came. He came. The world may think that they have gotten the upper hand, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to be coming back for the rapture. But he's going to come back this second advent. He's going to come back to destroy the world. And First Thessalonians, excuse me, First Thessalonians, chapter number five. The Bible says directly in verse one. The Bible says, "But of the times and of ye, and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Day of the Lord, day of the Lord." For then they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Is this is this the rapture of the church? No. It's not the rapture of the church, but ye brethren are not in darkness. Are not in darkness. You see in that? That that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I love the context of the scripture. It's pretty clear on that. And the armies of the world will gather in confidence under the leadership of Antichrist. They'll feel invincible uh, in their own plan. But Jesus will return as he said he would in all of his power. He'll return for it. And the world may choose to deny it, but the Lord is coming again. And and I'm telling you, it's much sooner than we think. Amen. By the way, the keeping of the garments, the Bible says, and keeping his keepeth his garments. He that watcheth and keepeth his garments, they clearly work together. Keepeth his garments. It's, it's very interesting to note that. Just a quick note. But one who is watching and waiting, anticipating, uh, anxiously awaiting that, they'll be prepared. But one who is sleeping on it will not be prepared. And they're keeping their garments. Verse 16, there's a sovereign decree and then there's a soon defeat. The Bible says, and he gathered them together in a place called Hebrew tongue Armageddon. All the armies of the world will gather together in the valley of Megiddo and the place called Armageddon. And it's here that the Lord will defeat the armies of all the world who have come against his very own people. 
he will, act, he will actually draw these armies together. Isn't that what it says? And finally, crushing them, crushing them. He'll crush them. And as the world looks upon, expecting the total annihilation of Israel, God has a different plan. God has a different plan. And it may appear that the world uh, has conquered uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords uh, um, from the very world, driving Him from the very world uh, in which He is created. But here uh, He comes as a lion of the tribe of Judah and roar and He'll defeat the whole world system uh, and that have rejected Him uh, and very much polluted the earth. And the battle will be completely one-sided. Amen. And it will be over as quickly as it begins as the Lord destroys them and their blood runs as deep as the horse's bridle. Four foot deep, 200 foot, 200 miles long. There will be a soon defeat, don't you think? The wrath of God remains a serious suffering. The wrath of God rallies Satan's soldiers. Lastly, the wrath of God will shake the settled world. The Bible says in verse 17, we'll go through these as we read them. I'll read verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. There came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. As the seventh vial is poured up out upon the, of the wrath of God, it's done. This vial will bring completion to the judgment of God. Of the judgment of God. It will be completed. Man has rebelled. Man has rejected God. And what began in the heart of Cain. uh, Flowed on to the desire uh, of Nimrod at the Tower of Babel. And flowed from there uh, on up until the new world. And became so many different things happened from that time. And it's in the heart of man today. It flowed from that. And it flowed to Saul. We can go on and on and on to Judas Iscariot. And it flowed on and on and on. And we can find many different men. Demas forsaken me having loved the present world. All I'm telling you, friend, is that that wickedness is the attitude of sin. It's the attitude of wickedness. And it's plagued the hearts of men down through all the ages of time. And God in His mercy has been long-suffering. But there He will fully and finally uh, deal with sinful man and their wickedness. It will shake the the settled world. I want you to notice a few things. There's a word of completion. The Bible says it is done. As the vilest poured out in the air a voice from the excellent heaven and a celestial voice in heaven declares, it's done. Judgment has reached the ending point. The Lord will step out and return in His power. And when Jesus was on the cross, He cried, it is finished. And there He announced His victory. Here, it is done. It is done. It's his verdict. God has spoken and his verdict has been carried out. And Jesus secured what man had lost in sin. And as he died upon the cross, that's what happened. But he's about to return and claim that which what he has purchased in his sacrifice. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Thank the Lord for the word of God. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Thank God for the word. I tell you, is that the fact is, is he's crying in the air, and he's crying from the temple. There's only one that could be in there, and that's Jesus. The temple closed not soon before, right? Amen. He's the only one that could be in there. It's God. A word of completion. And there's a world in calamity. The Bible says in verse 18, we'll go through these in just a second. I want to I I say a few things about it. God will destroy the earth. That which man has so desperately held on to for so much history. And... and, and very final moments of judgments, God's going to destroy it. It's a world in calamity, wouldn't you say? There's a shaking of the system. The Bible says in verse 18, And there were voices and thunders and lightning, and there were a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake so great. I've read one. I read of an earthquake that was over, I don't know all of these things. I don't know the proper terms read of it, this ain't in my notes or anything, but I read of this and I read of some earthquakes in the past. This was in 1964, if I'm not mistaken. It was an earthquake in Alaska. It was an earthquake that measured on the most as any has ever happened, and it was 10.4 megatons. I think that's correct. And they said that in that earthquake, it was so big, such a big earthquake, that a boat, a yacht, a massive boat, from the ocean was on top of the mountain in Alaska. Don't know the proper measurements of the boat. Don't know if it was a tiny little boat. Don't know if it was a toy boat. I do not know. But they said it was a massive boat. I do know that. A big boat that ended up on the mountain some, I can't remember, I can't remember how far away, but I think it was four miles. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's a pretty big deal, wouldn't you say? That's the biggest earthquake that's ever been recorded. The Bible says that this earthquake was not since men were upon the earth. Don't know how big the earthquake is, but it's going to be big. It's going to be big. There's a shaking of the system. And we've, we've all seen the devastation and the horrors that earthquakes can bring in our own life. In our own life. We've never had none in North Carolina much. But I'm telling you is that we've seen it on the news. We've seen it in videos of the damage that earthquakes can do. Uh, and a sizable earthquake brings massive destruction and much death to those who are in it. I mean, there was just one in Japan not long ago. We read it. Brother Chris White, missionary, said that there was a big earthquake over there. And he... He might have messaged me, I'm not sure, but the world has never experienced an earthquake of this magnitude. Can you imagine just how the the turmoil, the calamity in this life, when this is going to happen, as the world has done and dealt with sores and no sustenance, the seas are red, everything is going, the sun is bright, but now the sun is darkened because there's darkness upon the whole face of the earth, and now the earth begins to shake so violently under the hand of God. Imagine it. This vow is serious. When you say... This world will be in calamity. There's a shaking of the system. There is a separation of the cities. The Bible says in 19, And the great city was divided into three parts, and the city of the nations fell. 
I can't tell you perfectly what this is, but the great city described throughout Scripture is typically Jerusalem. And so a lot of people believe this to be Jerusalem. And so we'll preach it as that, okay? I can't be so positive about it, but that's where the Bible, that's where Jesus references a great city. He references Jerusalem to be a great city in Luke. But nonetheless, I would say the major cities of all the world will crumble, don't you think? And they'll fall as the final wrath of God is poured out. I mean, for centuries, there's so many things. All the major metropolitan areas have been the center of man's uh, um, sinfulness. And it's there that all the, all the, all the um, uh, economy... Uh, economy things are doing and everything is in the big metropolis I mean the big areas and it is there that the vices of sin are offered up liberally without shame and it is these major cities that men obsess after and they won't and they want all of that and all the pride that's in there and God will strike it very to its root the city cities were divided. It says, and the great city was divided in three parts. So we'll say the city of Jerusalem, and then the cities of the nation fell. New York City, Washington, D.C. Anybody name any more cities? Charlotte. All of these metropolitan areas will fall. Isn't that something else? think it is. There's a separation of the cities. There is a siding of Babylon. The Bible says, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine and the fierceness of his wrath. This tells us very clearly what's about to happen in the next two chapters. That there's going to be a fierceness of his wrath. And the very seat of Antichrist will fall flat at the hands of a righteous holy God. I'm telling you something, friend. God has not forgotten the wickedness that the Antichrist promoted at this time. He will not go unjudged. God will judge it all. and We'll deal with that in the next few chapters, but... There's a sighting of Babylon and there's a seizing of creation and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Can you imagine the craziness of this judgment? The islands will be swallowed up in, I don't know, maybe the oceans as the islands began to, I mean, blood seas. They'll be opened up and, and maybe tsunamis caused by the massive earthquake. Don't know. It's just in my mind here. Maybe something along those lines, and the mountains of the earth will begin to crumble and cease to exist, and and the world as we know it will be dramatically changed. I mean, it will be drastically changed. Everything will be changed, completely unrecognizable, as if it was. gone. Be different. We can we can begin to imagine the power that God has. All that power will be released as God judges the earth and judges the wickedness and sin within this earth. 
the world they have defiled for seven years. Hey, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a, of a, of a, of a living God. Is that what the Bible says in Hebrews 10? It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. There is a world in calamity, a word of completion. I'm done here in verse 21. And there fell upon me in a great hell out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell. And for the plague thereof was exceeding great. There's a witness of corruption. As the earth is quaking and falling apart. As all of the cities are crumbling to the ground. And islands and mountains begin to disappear from the very side of man. God unleashes a hailstorm upon the inhabitants of the earth. And those hailstones will weigh, they said that a talent weighs literally about 100 pounds. And so you've got 100 pound hailstones. Isn't that a big deal? Can you just imagine the calamity? The devastation? I mean, the world will be this is the wrath of God poured out upon men which he died for. Homes, homes, and, and all the animals, and all the, all the cars, and all the crops, and, and all, all of this will, 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 will be engulfed by a mighty hailstorm. God in his wrath will destroy all that man has ever prized above him. come down upon men and they still refuse to acknowledge God as being God. They are near to eternity. They are near to eternity in hell. They are near to that at this very moment and they still curse God. They will go to hell defying the very mercies of God and holding on to the one that they have served, Satan, who they'll spend eternity with in hell. I'm telling you something, friend. I know this is a hard chapter, but this is a tragic picture. That's what it is. Those who reject God could be here this very moment. And I just want you to know something. These are literal events. They'll come to pass as the Lord judges the earth. And God, may may God help us now to to see those around us in need of salvation uh, and and just do what we can to reach out to them. Do what we can to reach out to them. Uh, These passages, it's sad and it's uh, it's amazing to see these things, but man, it grieves me. Grieves me. and I rejoice I'll be in heaven. Amen. I rejoice I'll be, I'll be in heaven at this moment. And, and when, when all of this time comes, I rejoice that I'll be in heaven beside Christ. And the Lord has extended mercy today. Uh, um, for 2,000 years, He's extended mercy uh, time and time again to lost men. He died upon the cross for all. There'll be a bitter end one day. 
And I'm thankful I know Christ as my personal Savior. There's still, there's still time for people to come to Christ. And we must pray that God would send labors. And that we'd be labors. Amen. If God don't call us over the seas, we ought to get down the streets. Amen. If God don't call us into another state, we ought to get down the streets. It's our job, friend, to reach our community with the gospel. There's a community out there in, in Saluda, North Carolina, that's going to die and go to hell. And it might be our fault. Everybody with me? I don't want to stand in front of God with somebody going to hell because it's my fault. You never mention him to me. You never mention him to me. Little Kami sung that song, said, You've never mentioned him to me. Lord, help us to mention him to them. He's the only one that can help, friend. In the time of devastation, in the time of trouble, in all of the times of salvation when God is stirring souls and moving. And there must be something within us that drives us to tell people about Christ. Listen, I don't do it as much as I could from the pulpit to the pew. We ought to tell people more about Jesus. Let's stand to our feet tonight. One day God's wrath will intensify. And that's what this is. It's intensifying. It's serious days. Lord, help us while we have the time, while we have the chance, while we have the opportunity to tell others about Him. Wouldn't you like to say, I'll take that time? Lord, help us to take that time. Let's close with a word of prayer tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness, grace, and mercy. Lord, we thank you, God, that we've experienced a time, Lord, when you have been so good to us, Lord. Lord, your mercy and your grace we've experienced on, Lord, be times, so, so many times, Lord, we have. I thank you for being faithful. I thank you for saving me. But, Lord, I pray, God, you'd give us a burden. Lord, you save my family. Lord, those which I come in contact with, I pray, God, that it would be a better witness for you in this day, Lord, so that others don't have to see this great day of your wrath. Lord, I love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the listening ears. And I pray, God, that we would have take these words and, Lord, we'd be doers of them. We praise your holy name. Thank you for the study. Thank you for the Bible. Help us as we go home. Keep us safe. We love you. In Jesus' name.